This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to another episode of Woods and Waters Project. I'm your host, Steph, and this episode is part two of Steph Takes Guide School. So I am back from guide school. I got actually really sick and congested and I still sound like crap, Uh, but I wanted to (laughs) have a voice talking to you guys. So the last three days of guide school didn't disappoint at all. Uh, If you are coming onto this episode new, definitely check out uh, episode uh, 40 part one of Steph Takes Guide School. Uh, All of this will make a lot more sense. But what I decided to do uh, about a year ago was to sign myself up for hunting guide school. Uh, It was a guide school at Northern Plains Outfitters in South Dakota. It called to me for a lot of different reasons. Happened to fall on my 30th birthday. Uh, I took that as a sign and I had been looking up guide schools for a few years. I would I was consistently looking at Western schools. Uh, the adventure sounded fun, the horse packing, uh, some of the backwoods cooking, like that kind of stuff on top of the regular guiding sounded really awesome. Well, those schools are, I think, awesome. <laughs> and they are longer and they're more expensive, but it didn't apply directly to what I would do here in Iowa in the Midwest. I would like to guide and continue to teach classes in the Midwest And I wanted something that applied more to me. I happened to come across Northern Plains Outfitter School. And I saw snow goose, whitetail, ducks, uh, waterfowl, upland. And I was like, yeah, this is it. This is what I want to do. This applies to me. I'm excited. Checked uh, out their website. Was reading their curriculum. I'm like, this is where I want to be. And I am so glad that I did it. The, the, the outfitters, the guides, the teachers, Curtis and Shannon were awesome. 
Uh, my classmates were incredible. I'm so glad that I got that. I'm so glad that I went and I'm so glad that Thomas and Remington were my classmates. It was three of us and so we got a lot of one-on-one -on -one attention uh, during the program and I think that's what made it so special and successful and I feel like I walked away with so much because I did get stuff directed to me. I got to go through multiple scenarios. Uh, they could really see me as an individual and I didn't just blend in with the class, which in return <laughs> made me how to get, I had to get out of my comfort zone quite a bit, uh, but that that's how you learn, right? So this is part two of the last three days of guide school and I'm so glad you guys are here and yeah, before I get into it, just uh, if you guys could leave Woods and Waters Project a review. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening here. The reviews help so much. I started this podcast for a number of reasons. And one of the reasons is just to connect with amazing humans that love the outdoors like I do. And to learn from them, to help others learn from them, to create a community, to empower people to tell great stories, and I want to continue to do that. And the reviews really do make a difference. I really appreciate your time and help with that. So let's get into this episode. Snow Goose Day. Snow Goose Day was a lot. And I feel like as far as guiding goes, Snow Goose is where I do have some confidence in that area. Uh, just dating a Snow Goose guide, being thrown into it. If you guys follow along with my journey, my podcast, you know that I did some kind of apprenticeship guiding this last snow goose season uh, with my boyfriend and his uh, guide service that he works for. And I got a lot of experience and it, they weren't easy on me. Let's just say that. So I felt I had some confidence and know-how coming into this. And I definitely, I definitely did. I definitely felt like there were so many things that I was confident in. Uh, making decisions and it was it was really nice to step away from uh, Jacob and the team that kind of taught me everything because it allowed me to think for myself uh, where maybe before I would lean on them and I really enjoyed that once I got going we went through the equipment land relations the migration the birds the spread decoys cost of everything preseason preparation uh competition, networking with other hunters and outfitters, uh, different decoys, what that costs, callers, um, e-callers, calling, uh, techniques, calling the shot, guns and ammo. I mean, you name it, we, we went through it. And that was every subject that we went over in guide school and Snow Goose was super in depth. 
Um, snow goose hunting is one of those things that I think the media has made to look easy, but unless you have done it yourself, um, and when I say done it yourself, I mean pick the field, the decoys, set it up, understand the migration, do your own scouting. I think it's easy to assume that it's just a pile of birds that land and shooting into hundreds of thousands of them. And that's really, that's like the best of it, but that's really not what snow goose hunting is and that's not what most days look like. Uh, I know that, but a lot of people really don't understand that until they've had that experience. Um, I definitely thought that until, again, I had that experience myself the last couple of years. And guide school really just reconfirmed that. Uh, it's one of those things that people think they have an idea about, but they really have no idea. Uh, and it was hot during guide school, but we did set up our own decoy spreads in 100 plus degree weather, and that was quite something. But uh, some like nuggets of wisdom and just some general advice when it comes to snow goose and snow goose guiding slash hunting. So guiding... Guiding and hunting, before I get into that, guiding and hunting are not necessarily th the same thing. You can be a great hunter and not necessarily a great guide. You can be a great guide and not necessarily this, like, killer, right? So they're not, um, just because you're great at one, that doesn't mean you'd be great at the other. There's a lot of layers to both. Um, and I think that just got reiterated through guide school over and over. You know, the things that make you, I'm just going to rattle some things off that make you a great guide versus a great hunter. And maybe I should have saved this to the end, but uh, both require woodsmanship and understanding the animal that you're pursuing. They both require um, some level of skill, uh, some level of physical fitness, patience, ability to sit through some crap. Um, you know, like misery with the weather and wind and such, um, making smart, safe decisions. Those are all things that make, I think, a great guide and a great hunter. Where it is different is when you're a guide, it's not your hunt. So um, when you're a guide, you are thinking about other people, usually groups of other people, lots of different personalities, lots of different experiences, um, some people are just not safe with firearms and that is something that you have to be aware of uh, be able to coach through work through uh, when you're a hunter you are kind of worried about yourself um, maybe other people but again like as a guide you're worried about them being safe and having a great time simultaneously which in group hunting which snow goose typically is there is a lot of layers of difficulty to that you are controlling what you can control and having to deal with what comes from your clients, right? It could be a great experience. It could be a not great experience. They could be, this could be the hunt of their lifetime and what they've been waiting for all year. And maybe it is not ideal conditions, but it is the date that they booked and it is their time, the only time that they could come, but it is, you know, not going to be a great hunt. You have to do everything else you can to make it great besides maybe the pile of birds that they're expecting at the end of the day. So I think there's just a mindset shift, um, being able to coach people, be patient with people, give them a great experience, and work really hard all day uh, for their hunt, not your own. Just as a whole, I think, is what I'm understanding uh, is different between a guide and a hunter. Uh, there's a level of pa patience and coaching 
and customer service and caring or at least being able to act like you care about their experience. So there's a big difference. And I, I definitely know from Snow Goose that that is true. But some nuggets of wisdom and just points of points to know of Snow Goose guiding and hunting. So I have heard this before uh, and it, it got mentioned in guide school quite a bit that you don't need to know anything about goose hunting or duck hunting. When I say goose, Canada goose hunting, duck hunting, you could be a huge waterfowl person, but if you've never hunted snow goose before, they're completely different than every other waterfowl bird that you've hunted. Uh, so just believe that, acknowledge that. If you're out there thinking, I'm a great shot, I'm a great Canada goose hunter, I'm a great duck hunter, that might be thrown out the window for you. The behavior, how they land, um, how they work a spread is different than both Canada geese and ducks. It is, it is not similar. Uh, it's very, it's very unique. Um, and understanding that animal is so important. And that is something you'll hear me say the rest of the podcast is understanding that animal you're pursuing, both for guiding and hunting is what's going to set you apart and make you great and give you better experiences. You need to understand for snow goose in particular, the migration their route, their behavior, their patterns, what part of that migration, what part of the season um, things start to change. With snow goose, you're, you're dealing with adult birds and juvenile birds, and there's a difference in their behavior. If you think about an adult bird, they have made that migration back and forth. They've seen hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of decoy spreads. They've been through some things. The older that bird gets, the more wise they get. The older that buck gets, the more wise they get. Whatever animal, it doesn't really matter. That That is just a theme throughout. And with snow geese, where people get frustrated is when they see hundreds of thousands of birds fly overhead. And depending on the, on the time of year, you might be dealing with juveniles or you might be dealing with adults. And that hundreds of thousands of birds that you're seeing that are flying just right out of range and they're not landing in your spread, that may or may not be entirely the fault of your guide or your situation. If they're adults, they have seen it before. They know what they're looking for. And when your guide is telling you, you know, to wear your whites or your camouflage or keep things covered, not shine your face, keep your dog in the, the blind, different things that can spook birds. You know, a lot of people are kind of relaxed about it, but they don't understand they're dealing with an animal that's super smart and has seen this before over and over and over. And what's about what about you makes them feel safe and not sketched out? Uh, there, there's hundreds of them. They're all looking and they're follow the leader type of birds. So if one bird sketched out, the rest of them are heading out too. So just something to think about. You really need to understand the importance of your setup and the bird and what birds you're dealing with. It's going to be way easier to trick the young birds rather than the adults. Um, and you know, there's tips and tricks to all of that and how to get in those adult birds, but just understand that more often than not, your successful huge piles of birds that you see online, those are typically juvenile birds, young birds. Uh, they are easy, they're tricked a little easier. So understanding adults first juvenile birds, understanding the birds and their habitat and their habits and their migration, and then also understanding 
whether you're a great Canada goose hunter or duck hunter or not, throw that out the window, start over, it doesn't matter. Consider that for yourself, your buddy, your potential clients, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, your shoot, your shooting, uh, leading that bird where you're, where you're putting the, your gun barrel, where you're pointing that is going to look different for a snow goose than it does for a Canada goose or a duck. So remember, this is a different bird, different bird. How I left ended snow goose day, I felt really confident. I felt really good about myself. There were things I didn't know, but I learned really quickly. It just felt um, easy for me. Uh, it was exciting. It just, it was a confident booster day. Um, overall, I ended the day just feeling really, really good. Uh, and what I learned from the end of the day as well, and I learned this later at the end of guide school, is you're, there are really successful guides out there who do the same setup, same spread every single time and they see success, okay? And they may or may not like your strategy. They might actually laugh at your strategy. They might completely think your strategy is BS, okay? There are lots of different spreads for lots of different situations uh, that can be successful. But the big thing at the end of the day, when you're guiding or hunting, is having confidence in what you're doing and going for it because even if it doesn't work out now you can look at this and have your own experience and just be confident in your decision and if it doesn't work out pay attention to why it didn't work out that would be another piece of advice I have is have confidence in what you're doing but just be open-minded enough and humble enough to, to realize hey it might not, it may not work and if it does if it does work and it is successful have pride in that and just like forget what the naysayers say. Uh, there are lots of different people who have different ways of doing things that still see success, especially as it relates to putting out decoy spreads. So um, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of ways of doing things. I would just encourage you to research it, study it, try it out for yourself if you have the opportunity, see what works and doesn't. Also understanding that a decoy spread for the early season uh, which is going to be more of your adult birds versus a spread that is for the late season. It may not look the same. It may not have the same level of success. So uh, just don't make things so black and white. You know, dig deeper into it, make small adjustments and learn from your mistakes and be really proud of yourself when it does work out. Friday was whitetail deer day. Um... Being from Iowa, growing up deer hunting uh, most of my life, I do have this feeling of like, this is something that I should just be so badass at. And I can be really hard on myself. Uh, I grew up with primar primarily deer hunters. Um, I love deer hunting. I love it pretty much as much as I love everything else. Um, but yeah, there's just sometimes there's like this, this stigma that comes with being from Iowa with, you know, great, like great healthy deer that we have here to just like know all these things. Um, but I don't really think anyone knows everything. Uh, and I definitely felt confident in a lot of my ability, uh, but I learned a ton in a day. We talked about scouting, uh, preseason preparation, trail cameras and their placement, tree stands, blinds, type of stands, um, 
different technologies that can help you be successful with your own hunt and your client's hunt, uh, stocking, equipment, food plots, herd management, nutrition, behavior of the deer, blood trailing, safety, field dressing, shot distance and variables. So many things. Um, we set up tree stands, a couple different types of tree stands. Uh, we did a lot of scenarios of where to set trail cameras up, where um, they choose to put a deer stand, all, all of that. So that was really cool. Um, South Dakota landscape is a little bit different than Iowa. There's not as many trees there. So it's interesting the areas that they choose for deer hunting. Um, it is not as heavily wooded as it is at home. So there's kind of limited spots, but there is a lot of food and there are some pretty beautiful big deer there. Uh, and they have great success with it. And it was really cool learning from, you know, a different landscape than uh, Eastern Iowa. So that was really cool. I've heard this over and over again um, throughout my life and I hear about it more and more. We talked about scent control. Um, and how, yes, scent control, benefits to it, all those things. But we, I mean, really, that was such a small part of what we talked about. It all came back to understanding your weather and your wind and being prepared and understanding where your your hunting spot is, your tree stand is, and as the weather changes, as the wind changes, is that a good spot for the morning? Is that a good spot for the afternoon? And, and really preparing for that. I think that's something that I know that I could get better at as a hunter and a guide is just looking at my weather app before my day gets started, looking at it for the week, thinking about the location of where I want to hunt. Um, I usually am, am, I have an idea of where I want to go, but paying attention to the wind and the wind change on a consistent basis is something that I am not always good at. I'm really busy and I just make do with what I have. Uh, but we really went into wind and wind preparation. And I can't stress that enough for deer hunting. Um, but also that came up a lot with every part of the curriculum. Uh, every animal is affected by the wind. Um, so you know, if you're upland hunting, you want to utilize the wind for your dogs. If you're deer hunting, their nose is the most powerful thing they have. You want to play that to your advantage. With snow geese, you want the wind at your back because they're going to land into the wind because of how they work a spread. There's just so many things. Wind, wind, wind. Understand why it's important. Don't obsess over sun control. Figure out how to use the wind to your advantage. Um... You know, the overall feeling I had after deer day is like, how can I do this? And it wasn't just about deer hunting. It was about this feeling of how can I just use everything I I know and make this life I have envisioned happen. Like, how do I become this super badass female guide? Like, how do I do that? Like, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? Like, that was just the feeling I had after deer day was, ah, get out of your head, Steph, and let's make this happen. Like, that's what was in my head. And then Saturday. Saturday was really cool. It was dog handling uh, and business day. So we uh, did some drills and talked about pointers and uh, versus flushers and retrievers. We talked about equipment for your dogs, disciplining them, um, 
you know, kind of the dog training process, how clients should interact with your dog, what that should look like, um, being able to read your dog. And from the business perspective, we talked about what it costs and what it takes and how to get started and funding and legality and different things like that, which was really interesting. I mean, there was not one single day of guide school that I was bored or not interested. I was just like a kid in the candy store all week, um, kind of obsessed with what I was learning and doing and sharpening my skills. It was just, I loved it. Like I really felt like I was supposed to be there. Um, and I, I tried to soak it all in. It sucks that I'm sick and was sick. That kind of ruined that experience for me a little bit, but, um, it was great. Powered through. I just, uh, felt really congested and headache the entire time, but this was, um, it was awesome. And at the end of, I mean, dog day, like basically my feeling was like, I need to give me a dog or three, uh, and need to get working on them right away. Um, as a guide, I, I, you know, some things that, uh, come, came up is you don't have to have a dog to be a waterfowl or upland guide. Now, does that help? Will you possibly get paid more? Um, does it create a better experience like for your outfitter and your clients? Yes. Uh, but it is not typically necessary, um, or required of a guide to have a dog. So, Honestly, I kind of thought it was a requirement and I was happy to hear it's not. A lot of guide services actually have their guides work with their dogs that are kind of the outfitter dogs. Um, so that's really cool. And if you um, have your own dog that isn't quite trained up yet, hunting them, you know, on the kind of preparation time with those adult dogs is really great for your dog. There's just, just so many things that I was like, wow, okay, like this is, this is not, I'm not saying it's easy to get into. It's not necessarily easy to get the job, um, but it's not as hard as I thought. There's a lot of overthinking with it. Um, I would say from my biggest understanding is you really need to have the desire and drive to want to do this. And I don't mean just the desire and drive to hunt, because if you if you're coming into this only because you just love hunting, um, it'll probably burn you out. I've heard that before. I definitely heard that again and, and you know, experience that, uh, that if you just love hunting, like this isn't just about hunting for you. This is about hunting for all walks of life from all over everywhere who have a completely different experience and perspective as you and might not find joy in the same things that you do. They might not see the hunt the same way that you do. Um, they might not value your experience or lack thereof. Uh, it's just, you know, you're kind of at the mercy of how the client wants to show up and just giving them the best experience you can every single day for the season. Uh, I think some people are probably like, well, duh, but I, I would say if you think that you want to be a guide because um, you don't want to work your nine to five, you want to be a part of the outdoor industry, you want to be a part of giving people a great experience and teaching them and coaching from them and learning them and meeting really cool people. If you want to do something against the grain of what the norm is for a normal job, uh, if you want to someday own your own outfitting service, those are all reasons why I think that you should be a guide. Just know that it's going to be hard, but the advice I, you know, I got a lot of advice on the last day when 
my kind of teachings like got reviewed. I, we did a test every day. We journaled every day, gave it to um, the instructors. And at the very, right before you leave, they give you feedback on how you did. And my biggest uh, thing was my, was my confidence. And they gave me really great feedback. Um, it, me is just getting out of my own head. Uh, and just and just doing it like I have the knowledge I have the personality all those things which was awesome to hear but just like do just doing it like going for it uh, and this got reiterated throughout the entire class is you know my nuggets of wisdom right now is if you want to make this a business not just guide for somebody else uh, I would say start small but start uh, you gotta start somewhere you gotta you gotta start shadowing people asking questions becoming a guide, getting the experience, talking to landowners, just doing it now. You're probably going to be clumsy at it. It's probably not going to go great, but you got to start doing it right now. So wherever you're at, if you're thinking about it, do something to get you a step further and start. Because if you don't start and you put it off, put it off, put it off, you'll never start. And that was definitely the advice that I got as well. And I just want to share that. Like if this is something you think you might want to do, I would either put yourself out there or reach out to other guide services and see if you can shadow them. Do this stuff for free. Now, I know this doesn't sound glamorous. Most people will probably pay you or cover costs for you if you're doing stuff for free. But, like, I would just, I would do that. I would do the old school, hands dirty, offer up your time, help where you can, and get started. That would be my biggest piece of advice at the end. Um, find out if this is for you. There are so many things out there that we build up in our minds like oh I really want to do this or I don't really want to do this you know either way and we just never really take a step either direction to find out worst case scenario you do this and it's not for you and now you can check that off the list and move on with your life but I feel like there's so much to learn and experience from this and if being a guide or owning a guide business is part of your plan I would take the steps to move forward there's a lot of information out there and please just do it for you last thing that made my entire week and was really the reason that I went and did this was uh, one of the instructors has a daughter she's a preteen who grew up hunting in the outdoors and is just a super smart, incredible young girl. And she <laughs> helped with the class in being uh, like a client and, and, you know, was kind of acting out some different scenarios and she was incredible. And she took me aside and told me how great she thought it was that I was there. Like she just wanted to get to know me and my story and the fact that I was a female at guide school, she just thought was so cool. And I didn't do this to think, to have people think that I'm cool. But I did do this because it's not about male versus female. But I want to, I, while I'm alive, I want to have an impact on the outdoor industry in a positive way. I want to help change the narrative. I want people to experience it. And I just, I, I want to impact whoever I can uh, because I really truly feel like most people 
uh, can heal and in, in some level find themselves in the outdoors. And the only reason I didn't do this sooner was the own self-talk and, and talk of others telling me that I really shouldn't do this. Like, I'm a female. Like, why would I do this? It's going to be hard. It's male-dominated. Who's going to want to hire me? Who's who's going to want a female to lead a bunch of mostly men on a hunt? Who's going to want you to be their guide? And I played into that. Like, I've believed that. I've had my own negative self-talk believing that. And I also have the voice on the other side that tells me, well, why, like, why can't I? Like, I, I know, I, I know a lot. I have a passion and desire that I have seen in very few humans, both men and women, for the outdoors. Um, I'm a hard worker. I have a great attitude. I'm good with people. I'm obsessed with learning. I don't want to be the status quo. And nothing makes me quite as happy as seeing a person light up once they put that bow in their hand and shoot that arrow or spend time out in the woods or see that deer go across their tree stand. Like that, that spark that I see in people, there's nothing like that. And if I can dig a little deeper and I can put myself out there and put myself in a situation that not a lot of females have been in, um, and inspire others to do it, like that's amazing. Like if I, if I, if I have a 12 year old girl who grew up doing this her whole life and has no reason to believe that she couldn't do this, tell me how cool she thinks that is. That's like everything. That that made the, the whole week for me. And I hope that I can continue to show um, men and women both, but especially young women, that they have a place here and that they belong and that they're capable and they're just as good as anybody else uh, they deserve a seat there if they want to be there if they want to work for it and they want to put themselves out there like do it like this is available to you who's telling us that it, it isn't the world is changing the narrative is changing and I want to help get that there a little faster someday and it may not be that I mean it's already happening in my lifetime Someday you're going to hear out there someone tell a story of who got them into the outdoors and it may not be a man. It might be their their neighbor, their female neighbor, their sister, their mom, their daughter who gets them into it. Um, a female guide that inspired them, you know, and I just want to help keep moving that conversation forward and inspire people to put themselves out there, but especially especially those young girls who aren't sure if their dreams are too big or they really want it, but they're told it's impossible or that they shouldn't do it.
It's only too big if, if you think it's too big. And and too big is probably what you need to go for because if you don't quite hit that, that gigantic dream, you're going to fall into so many great things and great experiences. So just go for it. And like, ah. Uh, it's hard. It's all hard. Not going for it, going for it. It's hard. So pick your heart. I hope you guys enjoyed my debrief of guide school. I hope you got something out of this. I hope you learned something. If you have questions, want to hear more about it, I feel like I'm going to do a lot with the knowledge I got from this and definitely check out the awesome folks at Northern Plains. Until next time.